How are we doing, church? Good. You guys excited? Awesome. So Colonel mentioned due days. So we had the bed. Who was here for the bed races on Friday? Let's go. It was fun. I'm sad to say we did not win. You guys, we had two teams, Homestead Youth, second place. Homestead Adults, third place. <laughs> you guys, one day we're going to bring that trophy home, all right? So we're going to start recruiting for next year here pretty soon. So if you're interested, reach out to me. You're going to have to train, though. And we also had fun yesterday. We had karaoke. I sang, you guys, I sang three songs. It was not good, but it was fun. So thank you for everyone who came out for that. I did want to mention one other thing. If you're looking for a double dose of church this morning, guess what? We got it for you. So this is what's happening today. We're going to have this service here, 9 a.m., and then we're done here, okay? And then at 1030, we're going to go over to the the tent by the Ramley River Center, and we're going to do an outdoor service. So if you're like, hey, I want a double dose of church, I'm not preaching over there as well. It will be something different, so you can meet us down there. And then Colonel mentioned also uh, the uh, due days parade as well. So we'd love to have you join us for that. Hey, if you haven't, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Steve. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, uh, and uh, I get the privilege of working with our students. So I get to work with the sixth through twelfth graders, who I think are the best. Maybe it's because I relate to them. I'm immature. I don't know, but I love students, uh, and we just love this church so much. It's been such a blessing being here, and we're so thankful for Homestead. So as you, many of you know, we're in a series on the book of Psalms right now, and so throughout the summer, uh, each week we're looking at a different psalm, and you guys have a special treat coming up here, because all through the month of July, you're going to hear from different pastors on staff. Yeah, yes, yes. So you're going to hear from my wife, Brooke, you're going to hear from uh, Brent, Colonel, and Megan. I think I got them all. So they are going to share different psalms each week, so that's going to be awesome. And so um, today, I'm going to share with you, and obviously because I'm standing up here, uh, but I have, I've kind of been praying and kind of, there's so many psalms, right? Like how do you just pick one uh, and like, like where do you go? Do you just do like the, the more popular ones or what do you do? So I felt like God asked me, just start at number one. And so I just started reading. So I read one, I read two, I read three, I read four, I read five, I read six, I read seven. I got to eight and I felt like God was like, read that one again. And so I read it again, read it again. I started doing a little more commentary, and then he made it pretty clear, hey, I want you to preach on Psalm 8. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we're going to do, do Psalm 8 today. But before I jump in, let's just open in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your word. God, I just pray that our hearts would be stirred uh, in affection for you this morning. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit is working in this place right now. I pray that your word would be sufficient this morning. God, that I could just get out of the way and that you could do your work this morning. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right. So everybody say Psalm 8. All right. Don't forget it. We're, we're looking at Psalm 8 today. So Psalm 8 was written by King David. And as I was reading, um, a lot of theologians think that he wrote this toward the end of his life. And so when I'm reading Psalm 8 now, I imagine King David later on in his life, towards the end of his life, kind of looking back at his life, looking back at the things that he has done and the way that God has worked in his life, and then he starts to write this psalm. And so before we jump into the actual verses, I want to kind of give you the general theme of what Psalm 8 is about. It's going to be up on the screen. This is the main theme. God is great, and because God is great, mankind has value. The God of the universe cares for his creation, people. 
So now you kind of know like the main theme of Psalm 8. So when we read it, when we go through it, we start to break it down. This is the main overview. And so you kind of have the context for that. So we're going to read the whole chapter. Uh, and then I just kind of want to share a few different things that God kind of spoke to me, that God pointed out to me. Um, and this was actually meant to be a song. So I'm going to sing it for you. No, you don't want that. You don't want that. I'm just kidding. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and grab them. Psalm 8, we're going to start in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, the words will be up on the screen. It says this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. So again, you can see the overall theme of this is God is good. God is ultimate. God created everything. He is our Lord. He is all powerful and he has authority. So the first thing that kind of stuck out to me from this was this childlike faith. That's the first thing that God was like, hey, remember this childlike faith. So in verse two, we see it says through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Have you ever noticed, maybe you have kids or maybe you work with kids. Have you ever noticed that kids seem to have faith in God so easily that they seem to just trust God so easily? They don't worry about the how or the what. They just simply put their faith in Jesus. I think as we get older and as we experience more things, as we see things, as we mature in our faith, we can start to lose that ability to just lay everything at Jesus' feet, to just put all of our trust in him. And what do we start to do? We start to think more with logic. We start to think more with, okay, what are the plans I need to make to make this happen? This happens all the time in my life. Maybe you can relate to this. Whenever something hard happens, when we're struggling with something, my first thought is what? How can I fix this? How can I work harder? How can I problem solve? How can I make a plan? But man, I want my faith to come. Like, I want it to be, okay, there's an issue, there's a problem, I don't know what to do. I want to come to Jesus first and say, okay, Jesus, I'm laying this at your feet. I have faith. I don't understand how it's going to work. I don't understand the logic of this, but I believe that you're going to lead me and that you're going to guide me. It's not all on my shoulders. I mean, I remember as a kid, like when I would struggle, like I vividly remember this. When I was struggling, I, when I was I, in middle school, I really struggled with anxiety and with depression. And I really remember talking to God all the time. Like, I, like going to school and being like, Lord, I just need you to get me through this day. Like I just need you to get me through lunch. Like let me have someone to sit with at lunch, you know. And, I, and it wasn't like I was making a plan. It wasn't, I didn't know the logistics of it. But I was just seeking God and just saying, God, I have faith in you. I know you're the only way that I can get through this. When did we lose that? Like, why when we get older do we start to lose that? We just trusted in him. I miss that kind of faith. And I feel like God has been asking me, like, hey, it's great to have logic. It's great to have a plan. It's great to prepare, right, and have experience and have maturity. 
But the first thing you got to have is that faith, like a child. You got to bring everything to me, and then I'm going to show you the plan. I'm going to show you how it's all going to work out. I want to strive to have that faith again. I also love this verse um, because who does it say God will use to create a stronghold against the enemy? Children and infants. How awesome that. First, I love it because I work with students. And I want our students to understand that God doesn't work just through, like, the pastors. God doesn't work just through their parents. No, I want them to know that the same spirit that lives, lived in Paul lives in them. That they are a part of the kingdom of God, and God wants to work through them. I also love this verse because God so often goes to the vulnerable. Have you noticed that? He goes to the children. He goes to the infants. He goes to the shepherds. He goes to the woman at the well, the poor, the lepers. God uses the vulnerable to create an army. When we think about an army or putting together a team, what do we think of? We can think, think of the elite. We think of the best, right? We would think that's who God's going to go after. That's, who, that's the team that God is going to gather up to create his army. And we see time and time again, he goes to the vulnerable, and he changes their life, and he works through them. I love also the connection between the Old and the New Testament um, because Jesus knew the importance of childlike faith. And he quotes, actually, Psalm 8, verse 2 in Matthew. See, what happened was they're in the temple, and somehow the youth group kids got in there, and they got loose, and they're throwing a football around in the lobby or something, right? They're breaking stuff. And then the religious leaders are like, hey, do you hear what's happening in here? Like, do you hear what these kids are doing? And this is kind of the interaction. Matthew 21, 16. They go, do you hear what these children are saying? And yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read? This is great because Jesus knew that they have read this, right? These are the religious leaders. He goes, have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. He's like, have you ever read the Psalms? The kids are part of the kingdom, baby, right? Like they're supposed to be here. And then I love it because the religious leaders are always like, well, we're up here. We're religious. We know the scriptures. We know this. And, you know, get the kids away. Like we can teach them. And Jesus goes, no. You need to learn from them. <laughs> you need to have faith like a child. I love that. So that's the first thing that stood out to me, childlike faith, which kind of rolls into the second thing, humility. Humility. Psalm 8, 3 and 4 says this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You guys, how humbling is it that if you look at the grand scheme of the universe, God cares about you as an individual. This calls me to humility. Have you ever had that moment when you're like on vacation and you, you stand at the base of a mountain for the first time and look up? Or you go to the ocean for this first time and you see that the water's just endless? Or you look down into the Grand Canyon for the first time? I know for me that makes me feel really small and really insignificant insignificant. Anybody else have that feeling? Okay, now imagine the whole universe, all the stars, all the planets, all the galaxies. Feel small now? Yet, the God of the universe cares about you. That's humbling. Even though we're so small, so insignificant in the grand scheme of God and his plans for the universe, he sees you, he cares for you. You want to know what humbles me even more? that the all-powerful God of the universe lowered himself and became man, became like us. You guys, Jesus walked the same earth that we walk. 
he felt the same feelings that we feel. You know what he also felt? He also felt the same humility at the vastness of God. Like he looked to his father and he felt what we feel. He saw how great and how good God is. He humbled himself for us. Now the book of Hebrews, again, connection to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews quotes this psalm uh, when, the, when it's talking about how Jesus became fully man. It says this, Hebrews 2.9. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Church, we're, we're called to live with humility because we have a God who has all power, who made everything, created everything, and yet he cares enough to humble himself to save you as an individual. And so that's the second thing that really stuck out to me. Man, we're called to a life of humility. So the first thing was childlike faith. Second thing, humility. And the third thing is worth. So if we go back to verse 4 again and then through verse 5, it says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You guys, we have value because we are God's creation. Like just the fact that he is so great and he created us, we have value. All of God's creation has value simply because he created it. It's not because of anything we have done. It's because of what God did. We're lucky to live when we do because we have the advantage of hindsight. Like we get to look back and we go, okay, I saw how that played through. When the Jewish people read this, they didn't know that Jesus was going to be the Messiah. They didn't know about the cross and how that was going to play out. They didn't know about the empty tomb. But when we read this, we see, oh, yeah, I, I know where my worth comes from. My worth comes from the cross of Christ. Like, we, we get that advantage. Galatians 6.14 says, may I never boast except in what? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. As followers of Jesus, we don't boast in our accomplishments. We don't find worth in what we can do. Our worth is in Jesus. We boast in him. You know what it would be like for us to boast in our salvation? It would be like those dudes who brag because they're tall. Anyone know those guys? What's Like, bro, you didn't do anything, bro. Or like, it would be like that, that lady who's like 43, and she still wants you to be really excited about her birthday. I'm like, Susan, you're 43. She's like, it's my birthday week. Uh, it's my birthday. I'm like, no. If anyone should get a party, it should be your mother. She birthed you, and then she had to deal with that for 43 years. Uh, my birthday, man. <laughs> Salvation comes only because of Jesus. It's not something we get to brag about. It's not something we can boast in. It's nothing that we did. The cross gives us value, nothing else. You guys like that one. So we got childlike faith, humility, and worth. And then the last thing I want to talk about is this, authority. This is the last thing that kind of stood out to me. Verse 6, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Now, like I said before, Everything that God created has value, right? Okay, so we differ from the rest of creation, though, because we were made in the image of God. We were made in his image, and God has given us the authority over the rest of creation here on earth. 
But I think we need to remember, because sometimes we get this wrong, we need to remember that the authority that Christ has given us comes with responsibility. Comes with responsibility. Remember how we talked about humility earlier? That's got to be present in our authority that God has given us. We need to be humble. We need to realize we have a great responsibility, and we have to steward what God has given us authority over. I want you to hear this next thing. It's going to be up on the screen. Authority doesn't give us the right to do whatever we want. It gives us the responsibility to follow the plan of God. We get this wrong a lot as followers of Christ. This is a big one for me. I think sometimes as followers of Christ, we think, well, we can just do whatever we want in the name of truth because God's just going to back us up. That's not how this works. I've seen so many people abuse authority in the name of Jesus, whether it's to push their own agenda or for personal gain or simply to tear others down who are different than them to make themselves feel better. We're here to push forward one thing, and that's the love of Jesus. We're not here so we can rule or lord things over others. We're not here so we can tear down others in the name of truth. We've been given the responsibility to pursue love and to spread the love of Jesus Christ. That is why we have the authority. You know what's also crazy? As I was reading here, I realized that just like Adam and Eve, we've been called um, to make the earth flourish. Like we've been called to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to subdue it. But no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we try, we can't subdue the earth. We can't fill it. We can't complete it the way that God intended. It's only through the work of Jesus when he returns that things can be made right. I love that because once again, what are we? We're humble. Because no matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we try, no matter how great we think we are, we'll never reach the perfection that Jesus requires. And that's why I am so thankful for the cross. Because without the cross, there's no way. So I'm thankful for the cross. And so if we look at Psalm 8 today, and we look just at those four things, childlike faith, humility, worth, authority, this is what I see. I kind of summarized it myself. We have a God who is great and worthy. He cares for us. Even though in the grand scheme of time and God's plan, we are pretty insignificant. God wants us to have childlike faith, to live in humility, realizing our worth comes not from what we have done, but what was done for us on the cross. Then we will be able to step into the authority God has given us and bear the responsibility of stewarding creation well. Amen. And so as I begin to close today, I want to encourage you with this, and this will line up with those four different things. Don't let your faith get stale. I see it so often. I see it in my life, too. Like, we have this childlike faith. We have, like, I'm just going to lay everything at the feet of Jesus, and I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to go to Jesus. And I'm just going to have my relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to trust in him, and I'm going to read the word. And it's not about what I can do. It's not about coming up with the plans. It's not about how things are logical or how the numbers are going to add up. I'm just going to trust in him. And yet somewhere along the way, as we grow and we mature, we lose that faith. And so my encouragement for you today is, first of all, don't let that happen. And second, if it has happened, come back. Come back to that place where you can have faith like a child. Doesn't mean we're immature like a child, <laughs> but our faith is like a child. We can learn so much from the next generation. 
next thing I want to encourage you with, don't let, again, your experience or maturity make you boastful. We don't want to be the people who've been, you know, a Christian for 30 or 40 years and and we walk around with our chest puffed out because we know the scriptures and we know the truth and those sinners are doing it wrong. You know, we don't want to live that way. We want to live a life of humility. Saying we're all on the same level, whether you know all the scriptures or none of the scriptures, none of us can reach the perfection that Jesus is asking. And so we live in humility knowing that, wow, this God of the universe who created everything, he sees me. He cares for me. And he humbled himself to go to the cross for me. That should humble us. Third thing, this is a big one for us, I think, in our culture. Don't let your worth be found in your achievements. We live in a culture that's go, 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 move, 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 climb the ladder. And so in my context, if I'm not careful, this is what I can find me trying to find my worth in. How many kids are at youth group? Oh, man, we had a few less kids this week. Oh, man, we had a lot of kids this week. I feel really good. No, that that can't be about that. That can't be where my worth comes from. My worth doesn't come from who I am as a pastor. It doesn't come from who I am even as a father or a husband. My worth comes from one thing, and that's the cross of Jesus. That is where I find my value. That is where I find my identity. And so I would ask you, where, where do you put your worth in? Is, again, is it in, your, is it in your work? Is it in your family? Like, where is your worth? Because if it's not in Jesus, it's not in the right place. That is the only place we can try, find our true value, our true identity. Find your worth in Jesus. And then the last thing, don't abuse the authority that God has given us. We've been given authority so that we can go out and we can fill the earth with the love of God. We can't abuse that. Like it's too big of a responsibility that we carry on our shoulders. And so we got to let the spirit of God work through us. It's not, we're not there to push our own agenda or to, to make people live a certain way that we think is right. We're simply here to be a vessel that God can flow through and that his love can speak to other people so that they can come to know him. Don't abuse that authority. Instead, see it as a responsibility to live out God's plan. Remember, it's not our plan. We have authority, but it's not our plan. We have responsibility to live out what God has asked us to. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you so much for Psalm 8. God, I thank you for King David and his words as your spirit spoke through him and now is speaking to us today. God, I thank you so much that your word is sufficient, that I don't have to stand up here and make up gimmicks. We, we can just read your word and talk it out, and your spirit moves in this place. And so, God, I thank you that even right now there are people who your Holy Spirit is speaking to them, saying, hey, I want something different for you. Hey, I want you to you know, change this in your life. Hey, I see you. I value you. The spirit of God is speaking in this place right now. God, we thank you for that, because without your spirit, this church would be dead. right now that we would remember our faith when we were children that we could get back to that i pray that we would live a life full of humility and i pray that we would see our worth in you and that we would use our authority to live out your plan for this world i ask you to bless everyone in this room i ask you to bless our church thank you for what you're doing in this place in jesus name we pray and everyone said 
Amen, amen. Well, hey, if you need prayer today, uh, we'll have some prayer teams up front. Um, hey, we're going to have another service down here at the tent. So come on down, do a little extra worship. Another message is going to be great. So we'd love to have you join us. Also, join us for the parade as well. Uh, otherwise, you guys have a